Thank you, Tara, for coming on the podcast <sighs> to chat about all the wonderful things that you do. I feel like I know the peripherals of what you do, but not the specifics. And mm-hmm. I'd love to, I know that you're helping children get a better mindset, mm-hmm. essentially. But usually you bring in your program after a school has gone through a particular trauma. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it depends which platform we're coming in via, you know, with the, um, with the charity that we run, it's specifically after crisis mm. um, and in prevention of, you know, um, and we're focusing on the mindset and resilience of, of young people mm. um, and the skill set of those that support them, I guess, you know, so really making sure parents are really supported in raising children that are thriving and teenagers mm. that are thriving mm. and that schools are equipped so right mm. and what made you come up with this beautiful idea initially well I've always loved working with teenagers like that's my um favorite age group to work with and I just never had that um why is that because they're going through such intense change or I I think it's because they're starting to develop their their sense of self really strongly Mm. they're really all possibility thinking you know Mm. every pathway is open to them and they're also less defined in who they are you know as adults we tend to be quite we can be more rigid in Mm. our identities and Mm. no this is who I am it's who I've been for 20 years and don't mess with it too much a little bit more defined Mm. whereas and children a little bit free and undefined so I love just to let that process happen and then we hit this kind of sacred pathway is my experience when we when we move into our adolescence where we do want to define and make decisions and and learn to be more conscious around those decisions but we're not rigid in who we think we are yet mm. And so there's this... Soft, malleable transition stage, isn't it? That's what I experience. Yeah, Yeah, and they're they're still gutsy and fiery enough to tell you to fuck off. (laughs) They have all this juice, this fire, this passion around and it's either suppressed because of how they've been raised or the experiences they've had or it's up and it's out of control, which is what so many of us find intimidating or... Mm. um, or judge, you know, as, as being a bad thing or whatever. Mm. Um, whereas I, I love all this mess. <laughs> I love it. It's like, it's like, it's all open for discussion. So yeah, everything's yeah. out on the, on the table. And I find at this stage, we can have some real interesting discussions, some observations, like what's possible for our lives. What's, what's, what are the barriers and, and the blocks? And they're, and it is, it's all malleable. It's and, like really... <laughs> and also there's like a fertile, precious stage of the future of humanity. Yeah. Like it's that transition stage that they're establishing. Obviously you get influenced so much as a child in, in your, before your teenage years, but that's the kind of where it sets in concrete a bit more, right? Yeah, it like does. Like your, your psyche does and yeah. your brain stops developing maybe as much. Yeah. Around about seven to eight years old, your ego becomes quite concretized Doesn't depending really, yeah. on your... Eight. Yeah, really, really young. And then from that time onwards, you you're setting up a, a pathway of experiences that sort of fit into this framework of how you see yourself. That's so young. It's I didn't know very that young. young. Um, but it's all still fairly soft and flexible around this time. So it's a really wonderful time. If you start stripping away too much of that in, in kind of 
self-inquiry practices too young, they don't go through the really important fundamental stages of defining themselves as an ego type, as a personality. That's a really important part of our development. But as we start to move into adolescence and young adulthood, I work with right the way through to old age, but my my focus is really on that under 35 um, year old kind of development stage where I watch male and female type develop different at different rates. Mm. Um, but it starts to become quite uh, important to ask questions about what we believe and why and where that programming came from and does that serve you? You know, the way we're raising our children, our teenagers now needs to be for the brave new world they're facing, not for the world that we grew up in. So you're having those conversations without the parents or in the schools? Like, How much does that need to involve the parents Like, in terms of like having a conversation with a child about their, or the teenager about their worldviews is it kind of just stimulating the inquiry or what's the process there i i in an ideal world we would completely involve the parents the school systems the sporting clubs Mm. the religions they're involved with the Mm. community organizations that support them so if we as a tribe can respond then we actually have the potential to reverse the crisis around youth suicide mental illness um people not being feeling on purpose depression anxiety Mm. all of the things that we're looking to address Mm. the more we can respond as a a holistic approach the better our response is going to be because we we evolve then with the needs of our young people Mm. if we separate things out and we say well this is you know this is for the parents and this is for the kids and then then we um we keep having them clash you Mm. know with archaic view <laughs> views and and um and limiting beliefs and and um even the old idea that we should go to university and graduate and we know that that is not the, the we know that's not even a sustainable pathway anymore mm, it's mm. it's it's great for a certain number of our young people but there's not going to be enough jobs <laughs> there already isn't enough jobs that that's a secured pathway so things have changed um and we need to change with that. So mm. ideally the process is like if we were working with a school, we, we work with um, the students and we do activity-based, always movement, always sports. We use Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, um, and stretching and yoga and movement and, and games and getting them laughing and, and moving their bodies um, while we're teaching them resilience and asking them these really important questions like mm. explore yourself what's true for you what's holding you back what where did that come from um who said that to you how can we overcome that you know we're really exploring these kind of traumas in a safe space in their peer groups um and then we'll work with the parents and we will open up these questions to the parents and learn how to respond to things like mental health Mm. crisis, how to identify someone at risk of not just suicide, but suicide and, and, and struggling. Like if someone's on a pathway to struggling, we want to be able to help resolve that for them. Mm -hmm. And then very important, we train the staff, we upskill the teachers, we help them to discover a way within their own job description that they can be 
holding that kind of space for our young people. Mm. It's no longer enough just to be an educator. Mm. So you saying to, to make it more holistic in creating more self-realization or self-awareness you're doing physical things to move the body as well as like cerebral or mental things to have a conversation about the feelings yeah they the, is that is that a double whammy or is there an, another element that yeah there is um then the psychological side of it so all of our programs are psychology based and, and evidence based um and we explore what sets up that programming and to to shift and change that programming, not only do you release the verbal side, the sort of talk therapy side of it, but you rewire the neurological pathways. And the best way to do that is to actually actively be up and moving right. when you're doing it. Right. Um, so we work alongside the NRL and Queensland Rugby League and um, basketball you know so we work in with the sports so that we can actually have young people up and moving doing sports training doing some kind of athletic experience with it because it makes for those neurological pathways to be reprogrammed in a peak emotional state yeah which is exactly the same state that they were formed in the first place right so where we for example first formed the beliefs that i'm not enough Mm. is through intense emotional rejection that's that's the worst kind of emotion so in my own story I was four years old leaving my father he wasn't fighting for me to stay with me so there was this huge experience of rejection and grief as Mm. a young child Mm. that set up the programming Mm. in a peak emotional state that I'm not safe Mm. i'm not wanted i'm not good enough so for me to rewire that through the course of my life i have to take my body to the same kind of emotional and peak states that you do that through movement right and then through the emotional uh immersion so instead of avoiding the rejection feeling the rejection understanding it and then the words that get locked in around it. So there's all these elements that then help you heal that trauma, understand at the core you're enough just as you are. In fact, you're perfect just as you are, faults and all. And then you move forward with that reframing. So if we know how to, to do this within the course of our sports and while we're learning to write an English essay, and we're, we're not just learning resilience, we're healing ancient wounds and we're moving forward with real possibility of it's amazing so i I, i've never been aware that to create new neural pathways or change thinking you can accelerate that or facilitate that more effectively if you do physical peak peak things so what is there a scientific study behind that or is that just an intuitive response or is that something you've directly experienced through trial and error yeah there's scientific there's data that shows us how and you can achieve these peak states by many different ways um there's there's one that's like the dynamic breath work if you you've looked into that um so that will move your body into a peak state we do a lot of breath work um with our young people around stress management and that actually brings their body even without a lot of movement but by moving the breath from for example well, unlocks things oh that, well yeah. that makes sense if you think about it like that like in the workshops we do you, you um if you do certain breathing techniques you 
or or practice techniques you shift energy in your body and things change or you stimulate a response or you sit with yourself and go surrender and get vulnerable i suppose all those things make sense in terms of like creating change um and that's kind of what that's kind of what you're saying that happens yeah and the other thing that I guess is a, an additional factor to that is if you think about a young person under the age of 20 um, into their like early teens, that pre-teen age that we start working with, you think about what's happened in the last 10 years. So there's more of this kind of device addiction. You know, there's a lot of adrenaline pumping through our young men, for example, through their bodies while they're on their Xbox games. Mm-hmm for sometimes hours and hours you know some of the young people that I work with out of three and a half thousand young people that I directly get to work with a year at least three thousand of those would be on a device for over eight hours a day what that's insane right it's it's this what age group was that and this would be from the youngest that we tend to work with is around about 10 years old right the way through into their 30s right so these are even men functioning in, and I'm, I'm saying men because that's the majority of the focus on these kind of device addiction <laughs> based programs that we run um and and the bodies in that they not only become very stale mm. so everything gets repressed inside the body Mm. um we use it as a way to narcotize all the emotional experiences that we're having what's narcotize mean like numb yeah numb out you know so in the same way as somebody will have a drink when they're feeling anxious instead of actually asking the question how am i feeling well i wonder wonder what triggered this and learning a bit about themselves they can just use a a device um but then while they're conquering zombies the zombie apocalypse thing that's very real and happening in front of them they're getting this reward of dopamine that's there's a whole chemical reaction going on in the body where the dopamine is rewarding them and telling them they're doing such a good job it's pumping adrenaline through their body while they're also trying to narcotize all the hopelessness that they felt that day and they do this for hours on end yeah and so that so all of that emotional cocktail is going on within the body and creating real mental health problems Mm. so when we a take them away from that just for a moment and ask if they couldn't use that if they couldn't distract you know for our leadership program every year we take them away for three days no devices no music no no socials, no Cold Xboxes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then we move their bodies. Yeah. We start getting them up, doing exercises, doing jiu-jitsu, doing some self-defense, getting out on the water, playing, talking, yeah, awesome. putting them into some exposing practices. You know, let's talk about what's going well in your life. Let's celebrate that, what's not going well, and feel some of that stuff. It's like getting a glass container with the muck at the bottom and shaking it mm. to the surface And then while they're in that peak emotional state, now not only can we reprogram those neurological pathways, but we can see. Mm. We can actually see where all the muck is. Right. And we can start to, you know, filter off the top of of the water some of of that stuff. It's amazing how much, like even as adults that you look around and know that just block emotion. Like if they're Mm. um, getting triggered or 
it's a thing that's like if they felt abandoned or pushed away and then so if you talk about a thing that would make them feel that way even though you're trying to move through a thing um it would i don't know if i'm explaining myself well yeah <laughs> um it, it it would cause them to like just shut down mm. and like no thanks don't want to talk about it like have a very low level of emotional immaturity about it but also understandably because they haven't got the tools to respond maturely and i find it like we all even people that have done lots of work on yourself emotionally still find it very very hard when you have resistance to a thing to have a sense of clarity about what it is yeah um a sense of it will be okay once i've moved through it yeah um so I imagine in your programs that must be a very important component to be able to be there as a strong support of like you, this is temporary feeling. It's actually good that you're feeling it. All these kind of like coaching things. What's some yeah. what's some like headlines there that you give people in general or the well, kids? Well, it's really important what you're talking about, Jess, because you're 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 uncracking the you're cracking open the nut that holds it all together. And the nut is all around that hard casing is the training that we all have that there's something wrong with bad emotions this this essential if we go right back to the beginning this cultural training that we have good and bad emotions and we have to control and manage and fix all the bad ones and we have to amplify and feel all the good ones all the time it's absolute bullshit bullshit. yeah Yeah. it's like and if we can call bullshit on fragile and it's so non-resilient totally unsustainable and it's not anybody's experience if you try to hang on to joy Mm. you try to hang on to it and you're like yes i'm so joyful today and you get the hard crash the next day because it's not the nature of joy it's Mm. fleeting it's it's moving through even the good ones that we want to hang on to they're moving through their visitors Mm. and if we treat emotion with that kind of respect if we have fun with it we play with it we don't have to take it all so seriously i mean we we're, we're in these kind of explorations with the adults that we're working with, with kids we're working with. And it's like, let's go back to the beginning. What if all feelings were just energy moving through your body and it was yeah. all cool and it was all yeah. a big adventure. Yeah, it's just all a game. It's all a game. Yeah. Let's just have fun with it. So we're feeling pissed off right now. We're super angry. We're like, Oh, let's dance it out. Let's move it through the body. And we're like, so we make up these anchor dances and we're like yeah. warriors, yeah. you know, and yeah. you, you go back to the cultures yeah. and that's how they did things. It's like, we're going to use that to defend our, our tribe. Mm. That, like that's wanted. We mm. want the big, mm powerful bullies to get their weapons and defend our and and then in our culture we make that somehow wrong you know it's like no be powerful be amazing where are we going to direct it Mm. you know we're not advocating violence but no (laughs) but you're saying it's a very conscious thing like it's like almost you're transcending your um, emotional vibrations that you can possess to to your higher self and and orchestrating or allowing them from that higher self i think and it's very transcendental what you're talking about like yeah. the way you're saying that yeah and i completely i think i've have the same passion about like let's just be okay feeling shit because i i've needed to do that mm. and it's my lack of feeling being okay with feeling shit about myself that is um cause so much blockage and problems yeah. <laughs> in me it's like yeah. it's like it's and so if someone if i'm with someone that's like agrees that it's also not good to feel shit i know that's the worst thing for me yes it's because i i need someone that it was i don't need anyone but like it's helpful to have someone 
because I ultimately only I can remind myself, but it's helpful having a community and friends and loved ones that, that can, um, that don't just fucking bandaid you. Yes. It's, it's yeah. so because then you're uh, buying into the lie together yeah, you know yeah, then yeah. you're then you're feeding the addiction mm. that says good bad like let's chase the chase the good ones deny the bad ones mm. and this is where our very powerful strategies come up and this is what I love and it doesn't matter whether I'm looking through the filters of my my mainstream psychology training or whether I'm looking through my awakened practices or or through just pure um, intuition and, and things that I've discovered myself in my life's body of work, wherever I look through, I can see that at the core, if we can learn more about what our strategies are and bust them open, it's like catching a thief in your house. They're standing in the corner, they're dressed up like a ninja and they've got all their warrior stuff on and they're like hiding in the corner and you're looking at them. Akoya, dude, you're, you're yeah. sprung. Hide yeah. the go seek is over. Yeah. And they no longer have the power yeah. to steal your joy, to steal your bliss, your take your take your path away from yeah. you. Whereas when they are hiding, our strategies are not visible to us. They keep telling us the lie that what we're feeling is wrong, and therefore it, that suppression or that denial of what we're experiencing yeah. actually makes it worse. Yeah. It, it keeps our energy on those things, and those those things keep getting bigger. So if you translate this to a young person who is suffering suicidal ideation or depression or anxiety and we keep putting them into tracks of therapy or work or in, in interventions that keep focusing on the disease on the disintegration on the problem mm. and they don't lift us into a new level yeah. of experience like actually your sadness is you have all permission to feel devastating sadness i'm going to put a container around that mm. where you're safe mm. we're going to walk into the darkness together mm. i've got you we've got you your community's got you mm. and you walk all the way through to the other side and out the other side there was a doorway that they have never discovered and it's just light it's mm. just freedom so this should be like a game level, like for the kids that like probably help with the analogy of it, like graduate, like getting over the boss on game level one or Mario Brothers, like you've got to the end the hard bit and now you're onto the next level. Yeah. Like it's that, it's that in a way, but it's yeah. also like you then have this awareness of your, the game level you just passed and the little dysfunctional th yeah. characteristics you've had. <laughs> it would have been an awesome game to create actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> literally the game of life and being a conscious human being. It's yeah. like we get to evolve and expand mm -hmm. and transcend our suffering and, and have a greater, more expansive experience. Like this, the, the Chinese and Vedic lineages of like ancient teachings um, or the Eastern stuff, I guess mm. they, they, I feel like explain it really well and it's given the West a lot, but it's fast. So what, what your training is clinical psychology as well as. Yeah. So stuff. I started out actually in education right. um, and came across something called psychodrama, which I just fell in love with. And that kind of set me off on the sidetrack, um, moved away from education. My initial intention was to work with educating young people to really help them create the most potential for their lives. And when I realized that our psychological barriers prevent us from doing that, then I went into mainstream psychology. Right. Um, and after years of studying clinical psychology, it saw the limitation there for me in um, 
experiencing our fullest potential. We mm. can't do that just at the level of the mind or even just at the level of the body. We have to go so much deeper than that. We have to dive into the depths of our generational history. We have to dive into every barrier that we've ever had at every level of our being, you know. And so for me, then I kind of went on an Eastern exploration of yoga and spirituality and, and, and then came back full circle into mental health and um, a real passion for suicide prevention. That's for me to, for, for a human being with the most pure experience of love, which is what I feel humanity is, is no matter what your, your beliefs, we show up as the purest manifestation of love you know god's greatest creation life's greatest creation and for us to have that potential that that reality that is that is who we are to reach a point ever while we have breath in our lungs and life in our body that we deny life that's that's pointing to me everything that's wrong about society, everything that's wrong about how we could get so lost being pure love, pure light, pure creation, and be that lost. Um, So I have a great passion for helping those around me see exactly what's here. It's like I don't need to change anything. I just need to take the the blinkers off, the filters off, the, the, the trauma that's happened through life and through generations that have come before us and that we get raised in with these mm. beliefs or, you know, limitations. If you take a lot of that away, there's nothing left but the potential that we have for our life, the, the falling in love with the, the opportunities that are mm. in front of us. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I kind of came full circle back around to mental health and I bring a lot of the the personal um loves that i've found along the way i have i have a love of of meditation i have a love of animals i I studied equine assisted learning and art therapies and creative therapies and i just love all of that i love being able to just let life kind of flow you and then Mm. it shows you the next thing that you you can let go of or move towards or Mm but from not needing anything, you know, mm, not, mm. I don't know if I'm no, mate, I love expressing what you're that yeah, yeah, I love it. clearly enough, but yeah, it's my, and that is the, that's the transmission that I feel all of our work really brings is the ability to sit before someone who may be identified as unwell mentally, somehow struggling, suffering, but all you see is their potential that light and then everything that we do whether we're teaching them sports or jiu-jitsu or doing a self-inquiry practice or we're doing a talk therapy process or we're throwing paint at a wall doing you know art-based therapies or we're out in the arena with the horses doing equine learning or with our beautiful puppies doing their farm-based therapies it's all the same thing it's all reminding you your your pure love you're the greatest creation that's here on the face of this planet and show up mm. as that mm. 
and let that burn through everything else that life has kind of put around you through your experiences mm. or your um, and that's training. but the, that transition is such a heat like it's such a it can be quick it can be long it can be dramatic or it can be like elongated like going from that place of real darkness speaking from experiences like not even a clue how i could get out of it but just knowing that it was possible or knowing that i had an it's like a like a dysfunctional illness in my brain Mm. um but it was such a long process to to get anywhere near to the level of what you're talking about of like lightness and joy Mm. and um and feeling the having reverence like it came through a few epiphanies i remember when i was walking down the street after one psychology session i was like right now looking down at my hands on the street i was like right now is as good as it will ever get there is nothing better than what is in now and it was just like it hit me in a way that that's never hit me before it's always kind of like a download you know like it just came to you and you just had an epiphany like it felt like a gift from the universe or the ether yes, <laughs> like because yeah. it, it came in it came through so spontane- spontaneously and felt so non-cliche and felt so real um and it was in that that i i started just like listening to that truth more and that was a rewiring mm. that i felt like it was almost like a gift it mm. wasn't something i maybe it was the work of like going to psychologist or speaking or admitting that i've got a problem and all those kind of things that allowed it to take place but that that feeling in itself is like was just a, such a game changer for me because it's like my joy was always linked to something I needed to attain to or better, <laughs> how I needed to better myself it was all future orientated, mm. and so I I always had this immense level of discontentedness because because my joy isn't here. I wasn't living from a place of like this is as good as it gets right now is as good as it will ever get. And so when you're really in, in body, um, you know, have full awareness on the moment, that's why the present stuff, like at the workshop you and I did on the weekend, it's yeah. like it's just presence is just everything. I think it's so incredible when you bring that. Um, and to, can, I, can I ask a question though? Mm. What age were you when you started that process of actually going, yeah, you know what, I, I want to help with something. I want, I want help. I'm going to go and get some support. Yeah, um, 20, I think it was 27 when I started getting 26, 20, no, it was 27 when I started getting really depressed. And I don't think I admitted it till about a year and a half of being depressed. Mm-hmm. And so it took a year and a half. And there's a moment that I, re- so I would have been 28 and a half. Yeah. And that's about the same age for me that I, for me, it was anxiety, depression, um, that kind of led me into that pathway of exploring psychology myself as, as training for it. Um, and I found by that stage, there was so much me yeah. that had formed. Oh, I'm this, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, now, by that age, I'm now a parent. I'm a, I was a wife. I was a, like, I was really quite firm in my experience of who I was. Mm. And the process was more, long it was for me then a 10-year yeah, process yeah, yeah. at least from that point of like if you imagine the intricacies of of knitting the jacket the jacket was all the way knitted yeah and so when I started picking at it I'm like oh there's a thread and here's another thread yeah, yeah, and here's yeah. another thread and my experience a lot, a lot to undo and my experience of working with that precious window we we talked about right. with that with young people is 
they're kind of just starting to knit the jacket right. themselves. So you can get, help them knit it right. <laughs> exactly. Like you, you might have to go back a few rows and, yeah. and maybe grandma has knitted, you know, a lot of the scarf before. And so we might have to go back to some of that stuff. Yeah. But there's less attachment to the idea of, hey, do you want to just pull off a few rows here and yeah. let's just unthread and, and start yeah. again? They're kind of like, oh, that's a bit of an adventure. Let's yeah. make it fun. Because they've got that brave fire that you are saying before, that, that's that it. enthusiasm for change and that's it. And if you can introduce things like everything is here in the moment and weave into that things like you can still in this moment, we can still be practical. We can still do life skills like let's learn how to do goal setting and action planning, Mm. which is in this moment looking to a projected future and going, what would I like for that? If I'm the creator of my whole experience here and I can ask for anything and I'm worthy mm. of everything, what can I ask for? Mm. And how can I take some practical steps? Like I've actually got to get off my ass and do the work. <laughs> like I can't just sit here and put it out there at leadership camp with Tam and then mm. just it's mm. going to happen. Mm. No, I've got to actually go and write a resume and da-da-da, you mm. know. And they're doing these amazing things. These young people we're working with are then showing up as leaders in their community because they are then tuned into exactly what you have described, their own source of wisdom. Mm, mm. That is emotional resilience. When you have direct transmission, you have direct line of communication to all knowledge, Mm. all wisdom, Mm. and you've opened that pathway, then when life does the shit hits the fan thing, which is supposed to happen... Mm. They can check in. They can mm. become present, check in. Mm. What in this moment? Mm. What in this moment? It's so empowering, isn't it? Like <laughs> when you when you tune in to yourself and inquire of yourself for the answers rather than lean on anyone else to make you feel better or even give you knowledge, mm. which is fine to do both those things in times. Like it's not we're human, we're social creatures and all that stuff, but it's very, very empowering to... I'd say it's, it's far more empowering to just be okay to sit with it yourself or do a practice that google a thing that might help you resolve it then go and practice that thing that might help you resolve it like mm-hmm. if the technique a breathing technique or a meditation or whatever it is and being able to ha- i suppose harvest that like you're saying that connection to wisdom within you or a connection to something more intelligent than you your struggles (laughs) yeah like how many people there this weekend had and the workshop that we did had intuited had had just naturally opened to lots of those things themselves Mm. because we do we do have access to everything Mm. Mm. you know when we put aside all of the human conditioning the programming which is part of being in an animal body Mm. animal bodies have brains and we're programmed But that's not the end of the story. That's the beginning of our story. Then from then we were given this huge intelligence and this opportunity to connect to infinite wisdom. And we were given that so that we could evolve. And we've been evolving all this time. So now we have the opportunity to evolve. And I love all things being included in that. I, I don't subscribe to this way's right and that way's wrong and this it's like I, I don't subscribe to that at all it's like what in this moment helps you access what you know to be right for you and how can we clear the barriers for you so and with you 
so that you can access that moment by moment by moment, no matter what's happening around you. Mm-hmm. So you can experience your greatest potential. Mm. It's such important hearing you talk like it's like, it kind of struck me harder how important this work is with children. Like mm. you've shaped the future generations. These are the kids that will inherit the earth that will do right our uh, older generations wrongs and evolve our species. And the the fertile point is this youth mm. and as this this stage of their life and how it's so critical it's like it's almost like i feel like it's sad but like give up on the older twats that are stuck in their way <laughs> running the systems and just like let's just harvest the future mm. and just put our attention on making really superhuman states of consciousness and kids it's such a cool topic that you've brought up here because um this is something that, you know, a lot of people ask me, why don't you, because we, we run the suicide prevention charity alive and, um, they asked me, why don't focus specifically on the other suicide rate that is the highest, which is the over, over seventies. And, and also just, I want to put an asterisk on, like, I do care about all people, but you get, you get a sense of frustration with like, yeah, yeah. With, with th- people that are slowing down our evolution for the better of the planet, for the better of love, for the better of people, et cetera, et cetera. And I've been looking at, um, you know, in the studies that I've done around the first couple of years of, um, launching the charity, I spent a lot of time studying data. What are we, um, what are we doing? What's working and what's not working? Like where are the gaps? Where are we, where are people falling down the gaps? So the big gap for me then obviously is the space that I'm passionate about, which is our young Australians, our number one cause of death, suicide, massive gaps in why that's happening. This is our, our future and our future is that is, uh, taking their lives at 10 times higher rate than they ever have before nearly four times higher in young men than anybody else. You know, our young, our powerful young men are so lost in this, whatever's happening out here in this world, in their sense of purpose. And, and, and this has become so critical that they're, they're not just falling down the gaps, they're actually disappearing off the planet. And so it's not a choice whether we can show up in this way anymore. It's now, it's now crisis point. But I also find that, Again, there's nothing separate. So part of the problem is that that generation, our, our elderly, are so disconnected. And in our culture, they're put into homes or into the granny flat at the back. or that, And they're our wisdom keepers. It doesn't mean that all their information that they're downloading is relevant for our young generation, but they're our wisdom keepers. Mm. Why are they not in our daycare centers supporting our young people and coming alive with the joy of being around children why are they not at my at my daughter's school they have a senior home on the high school grounds Mm. and the seniors serve in the high school as mentors and it's an incredibly powerful interconnected culture it gives the seniors a sense of purpose they have like a grandparents day where they have those mentors in the high school and my my daughter has this incredible reverence for the grandparents that are in her life that a a lot of them are at a distance they're overseas we're on this kind of we're in this global society now Mm. we're not we're not in a localized tribe so this level of disconnect and the way we're living is part of the problem at all ends of the scale yeah and if we can find ways consciously to bring that back together 
um, which is what we're endeavouring to do by mm. having the programs that we have running in our sporting clubs. You know, <laughs> our athletic performance is linked to our mental health. Mm. Mm. So we can combine the both. Mm. There's so much funding for crisis management, not prevention. Mm. But the answers are the same. Yeah, and you can curb the crisis by doing prevention. Like, so you don't get to that critical point. That I think that's the other thing is like having that awareness of like when someone's going for a thing, or a stressor, or looking stressed, that that will lead to that that the worst end of that is suicide. Mm-hmm. And if if we can have tools where we can resolve about and normalize the processing of these emotions, it w- will never get to that kind of critical. Absolutely. And if we can have tools, like you talk about doing this gamification of it, which Mm. is what we do with our online programs, that that can be like a Trojan horse that drives in crisis prevention, Mm. crisis response, and the preventative tools. So Mm. if we're thinking always from this, again, this connected all, all the answers are here. Mm. They're, they're all here. Everything we need is right here. Mm. What's needed? Where, mm. where can we access that? Because it's all, it's all here, the mm. answers for how it all wraps in together. So, um, And mm. I love discovering that and mm. setting those. Yeah, because there'd be so many new things to discover as well. Like with, mm. Even with like recreational drugs or new drugs that are getting used, like there'd probably be not much knowledge around how that's having an effect on mental health or like if something like in the u.s some like ketamine and mdma they're doing like phase something trials of um psycho-assisted therapy and it's probably a whole different kettle of fish but that's fascinating in itself like we don't know a lot about the brain and what can can result like there might be some drug that like accelerates the healing process but then there's also breathing techniques that do that as well so i mean there's must be such a spectrum of knowledge Mm. that what's your your, i assume your mentality is like forever openness (laughs) because like it's always yeah new shit happening and we're constantly like alive's always been a collaborative project always a collaboration and so uh, last week um, so we started working with the music industry about a year ago Mm. um, and last week we were contacted by um, someone in Queensland who um, wants to innovate a performance troupe that goes into schools and clubs and addresses mental health in young men Mm. through an Indigenous performance troupe and I said this is a fantastic initiative I am I am a huge fan let's get behind this project and so these ideas don't all have that the answers are not in one person or Mm. even one organization if we can respond collaboratively Mm. from the from the central point that actually yes while there's a crisis happening within the individuals there's no there's nothing needs fixing Mm. So it's this polarity of they don't need fixing, they need a safe container. Right. So that, and this container can be this performance troupe coming into the schools and, and being backed up by trained therapists who are actually able to hold that safe container and say, there's nothing wrong with how you're feeling, keep opening to it, 
there's a doorway the other side let's walk through it together yeah, yeah, you know yeah, and yeah. it's um and it's giving them that permission to wake up to that potential in themselves right um through these yeah these initiatives and many others we as we discover them it yeah. sounds a lot like a common thread is definitely connection right like that johan hari book of lost connections being like a a connection and tribe being a real resolver of depression and mental illness and anxiety mm. and whatnot and when you're talking about like respecting the elders and having the elders have purpose and that kind of stuff is when you look at tribes i mean my idea of tribes like indigenous tribes in like america and stuff mm. they they the elders had this absolute reverence and knowledge and wisdom that the youths would have total like honor for and respect for and i suppose we don't have i mean it's not commonly celebrated is it like it's we celebrate we don't we don't celebrate it well there's a lot of disconnection around uh, if you have a look at the aboriginal torres strait island community that's the highest rate of suicide in australia is in that community and we're where are they um where are they um well those those communities are right throughout Australia, oh, sorry, yeah. but the um, the the suicide rates within those communities oh, sure. are three times higher than in our Caucasian communities. So there's a really high um, level of suicide, and in one community that we work in, there went before we went in there, there was a suicide in a young Australian, an under twenty year old, every day for a month. You know, it's just a, not even a cluster of suicides. This is a, an epidemic. And um, their, their disconnection from ritual, you know, the things yeah. we've been discussing, the disconnection from presence, the disconnection from their elders, their tribe, their sense of purpose, you know, even something I'm experiencing in young men, which we think would be powerful, freedom. One young man, 13 years old, said to me, well, what's my role now? Because women can do everything. So I, I can't grow up and, you know, he was from a farming community. He said, I can't grow up and get a wife and look after her and fix her car and earn a living and she does the children. Like he was from a very traditional community mm. where he was scrambled by the sense of independence mm around him in these incredibly powerful women where a 13-year-old girl his age was, you know, just blowing his mind at all the things she can do, you know. And I was like, these are great questions to start to have. So if that's no longer relevant Mm. for your society today and yet you've grown up in a family that have kind of intrinsically passed on these values – what can your values be now? What can you move towards now? And what ways can you show up and be supportive and hold mm. a container for your partner one day, for your for your wife one day, if you go down that road for your, you know, whatever it is. Mm. Like how, mm. how can you... Be adaptable to whatever's next. Yeah. Because you don't know what your partner's going to be like. And, you, and but, so, yeah. yeah, how do you adapt these cultures and these tribes now to be relevant to Australia today mm. if that disconnect is such a issue Mm, how mm. do we course correct that and Mm. that's something we're putting a lot of time and resources towards at the moment is just doing research to find out how we can best serve those communities and and impact and it works very vast isn't Mm. it but the core of it is with teenagers and schools and sporting clubs sporting clubs yeah we tend to be um in 
we're pretty much in most sporting clubs across Australia. Mm. Um, we find that's a really good method of delivery because if you look at forms of sort of therapeutic intervention, the most challenging thing for a young person, especially male-focused communities, which is where we, we've had a huge amount of focus because the suicide rate is so high and the engagement in existing therapy intervention is so low for for young men. You know, it's not... It's not always that they can respond to just a talk-based clinical intervention, mm. you know, or, or preventative. Mm. Um, mm. So we like to take it into all of the sporting clubs and give it that kind of um, fun engagement and moving your body and um, tackling tactics for rugby league and, mm. you know, like mm. really mix it up. Um, because then we find that the response and the engagement of the, of the demographic that we're trying to, to serve is much better. So, right. Yeah. And I imagine that you, you've probably already got a head start in, because I know when I play in a team, I already have a better mental progressive mindset, I think, like than if I was stagnated and just sitting in a classroom. Mm. Like there's something about sport and moving that you're, you're more primed for, you're feeling better already. Mm. <laughs> and if you're like... You're more, so therefore you're more open to? Absolutely. And you've got that um, motivation, right? So if you can um, improve your performance in your game. Yeah. And you can do that right. through your mindset. Yep. That's the same mindset that then's applied to how you feel about yourself, how you show up in your relationships. Yeah. You know, uh, Queensland Rugby League send a group of, of young leaders from the 14 to 16-year-old rugby league clubs throughout Queensland to our leadership program. Right. Those kids come to learn how to be a better leader within their teams, so cool. how to manage stress, how to do all that. Um, so they actually will take the mindfulness practices back to the club and, and, and life carry, skills and, and the life skills. They know how to set goals. They know how to action plan, overcome obstacles. Mm. They'd learn a talk therapy process where mm. they talk about their feelings. They take this back to the clubs and they teach the other players this mm. to make their game better. That's so good. But then they take that into their lives when they yeah. break up with a girlfriend, when they're yeah, fighting with yeah. their parents, when they're feeling That's like so they good. don't know where to go, when yeah. they're blanking out with stress of exams, they can do the breathing technique. So it's it just ripples out. That's such a great, great way to. What, did you, what was that cognition to like drip feed it into sporting clubs? And because that's that's such a good way to inseminate our culture with um, wisdom. Yes, um, I'm a little bit cautious in saying what my motivation for this was but i'm gonna say it knowing that you you'll um you'll get it (laughs) there's no funding there's just no funding um for things that actually are getting the kind of outcomes we're achieving which is at the 97 to 98 percent success rate that is a phenomenal outcome rate Mm. and the funding is all in crisis prevention crisis management response actually and so unless you run a hotline or you do a postvention where there's already been a suicide you can't in my experience get get the funds so what we had to do was think right my passion is in prevention because if i can get prevention everywhere there is no crisis happening so how can i do both and more people are just going to have greater lives as well that's right and it's it's like the the, it's that's contagious and there's more focus then on moving forward but you can't just take crisis response away that's incredibly dangerous 
So my first partnership was with Queensland Rugby League and they wanted me to put together a program that would respond to crisis. And I said, I'll do that under one condition. The first year we work together, I'm just going to focus on, I'll put the entire budget that you're giving me on crisis. I'll go and get sponsors. You can go get sponsors. So there's there's not, the, the government funding wasn't there, but the corporate social corporate responsibility, the sponsorship funding around sports is excellent. Mm. So I was like, great, there's funds there that we can play with and we can show that this works. So the first year working with them, just crisis response, managing media, doing where there was an incident, doing the postvention and really wrapping the community in support. The second year, our agreement with them was you fundraise, you do a live rounds with QRL, you get the the rugby league boys to talk about mental health and be ambassadors for us. And they did all of this and we'll put all those funds to both crisis response and preventative Mm. programs. Mm. And so he gave me the same budget and we did that. Wow. By the third year, we only had one crisis response. We're now in our fourth year and we haven't had a single crisis response. So we've just been putting preventative programs. We're now in a fourth year cycle where it's like, that's the answer. You know, it's just so Amazing. beautiful to have gone through this process and now taking it into the National Rugby League and looking at how can we implement that nationwide where we're not needing to rely on government funding that will change according to elections and what campaign and mm. what what message is going out. And I, I hear the politicians talk a lot about zero suicide and um, but I don't know where they hide the magic pots of funding. So, um, you know. <laughs> I like to see how can what else is possible. Where are the funds? How yeah, can we? Yeah. How Expand can we not? It. Yeah. How can we not sit around waiting for funds and having meetings for the sake of meetings and just get out there offering programs? And I am more than open to funding coming our way. And because yeah. um, what's the what's the on ground resource going into t- training coaches to drop the knowledge or running running camps with the leaders? Our leadership best camps? tool is their online. Uh, Get Real Institute. Yeah. We launched that um, this, uh, it's an, it's now a year um, old and it has all of the crisis response, mental health first aid training for educators, professionals, coaches, gotcha. all of that in there. Right. Um, and then it has all of our preventative programs. So every single program based on 13 years of working with young people is all put into video courses. It's like a Netflix for well-being. It's phenomenal. Mm. And every resource then has a PowerPoint presentation that a teacher can do the workshop with the kids. It has a worksheet. Mm. Wow. It has fire started like Q&As. It so has, it's a curriculum. It's right? a curriculum. Yeah, it's yeah. a three-year curriculum. So the schools get that for less than $10,000 a year which is the same cost. It costs to train the trainer in like a um, emotional, you know, train One the trainer, trainer program. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we train the entire school. We have access points for the students. We have parents' nights and parents' portals so they can log in and they actually just watch a five-minute video. They do the little exercise. They integrate it into their family discussions. It's it's a whole community wow. response. Wow. And we launch that with in-person programs. So that's when we go in and do the Brazilian jiu-jitsu programs. Right. And so we do that first stage, but we've created something that's scalable that can be global support mm. for well-being mm. and crisis response training. Mm. So, so schools, for example, or clubs can use their mental health first aid training budget, but get a whole well-being solution with a 12 wow. 
with these, you know, 12 to three year curriculum models for the same cost, you know, it's like, so good. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't you? <laughs> and, how, and how many, is it in a lot of schools around the country or like what's? Yeah. So we're in, at the moment there's 65 schools that we work with and 350 sporting clubs. Right. So it's a good mm. sort of sizable starting point. Mm. Um, but to give you some kind of context, there's three and a half thousand schools just in Victoria that mm. we're endeavoring to launch into. Mm. And we have unbelievable um, obstacles you know, um, even after having get a, getting accreditation and having the curriculum, having an incredible product or having an incredible network of support, you still need to then let the schools know it's available. You still need to make time in the curriculum for them to put time aside for the well-being and make budget available. And, and so we do like corporate sponsorship packages where right. businesses can pay for schools to get... But they've got the, the budget sitting there. Most schools have that amount of money to spend on this stuff. Yeah, some sometimes they do, other times they don't, um, and we we try to make it go because it covers the professional development of teachers as well. Oh. They can pull from both budgets, okay. so they can do that, and then of course they can apply for funding through us. So we yeah. can then link them, you know, like a a real estate agent down the road from a school can actually sponsor the school to be their mm. well-being sponsor for the year and advertise through that platform and stuff. So there's other ways of funding a school. Do, do they do the principals or the people that make the choices see it as a way to optimize their kids' scores as well? Like, like because if you're optimizing the kids' health, mental health, and minds, isn't it super obvious that they would just perform better? Or Absolutely. Like- and in psychology, you need to produce evidence. So we have um, over the twelve years, we've collected data, and we have that data analysed by a behaviour scientist who. Wow. Um, behavior psychologist that does all of the um, data for QUT and Griffith. And um, so we have, we have our programs, evidence-based data research, and then produced in those reports so that not only, yes, does it benefit their academics, we measure that data. Mm. And I don't sell to that because mm. primarily I, I don't ever want to give the communication that, you're not doing well unless you're performing academically, gotcha, you gotcha, know? Yeah. I, but that's the MO though, isn't it? Isn't it? What, what's, the, what's, the, what's the principal's bigger motivation? Honestly, I think at the moment principals well, are <laughs> very, no, I think they're very frightened at how many attempts are happening in schools, uh, suicide attempts are happening in schools. They're, they're quite frightened about mental illness and how to respond. So I'm actually experiencing with the principals that we're working with, Honestly, their agenda isn't, even though there is it's massive, prevention. it's prevention. Yeah. There's massive academic and, and cultural within the school culture benefits. And they get that. Yeah. That's obvious, but, yeah. but there's also evidence that produces that, but they're not selling to that. They're actually wanting a solution for mental health, crisis response, prevention. They, they are on that script. You know, they're, they're, they're telling that story. Mm-hmm. They want those changes. I still think there's gaps between them wanting that and them implementing it. What's the, what do you think that gap looks like? Uh, Being judged by their peers for implementing something a little bit more radical? Yeah, fear of making a mistake and being liable. I think we're all ass covering by nature and we have to be. We're more in a bubble wrapped 
um, era, you know, and and there seems to be, in especially in a lot of the rural communities that we initially go in and support, there, there can be a little fear to overcome. Well, if I start talking about how to recognize signs for suicide and then suicide happens, am I somehow liable? Did I plant that seed by bringing up the subject of suicide? It's like, mm. well, no, here, let me show you the, the data that shows that actually by creating educated, safe conversations around mental illness and suicide, we actually encourage help-seeking behaviors. And mm. so it's a re-educating of those sort of stigmas and fear fear-based, you know, no, I just want to, I just want to teach maths and science and English. <laughs> well, you can't, you can't do that anymore. Like now. Also a lot of that <laughs> fucking bullshit anyway. Ah! Yeah. Well, that's, I guess that's the thing for me is like, I've got kids that are thriving and they didn't do well at school. Oh, like in my, in my family. It's my- so archaic. The education system's rotten and archaic, if you ask me. But like, I'm sure there's plenty of good things about it as well. There's social, just to, but it's, I can't help but feel like it's just training us to be corporate slaves in a cubicle. Yeah. Because it's just like, it's, there's no, there's like, have more leisure, have more play, have more curiosity, have more creativity. A guy that I met at Burning Man came up with this concept that he was, he wanted to create like a, like a bureau for supporting people with their intuitively responding to their purpose. So whatever, and, and raising funds for that. So basically, essentially like you come to the body of people and, they body of like a committee of leaders that are like like varied wise folk and um they base if you want funding for a project they just gauge if that project or that your intention is pure and it's like the essentially the universe conspiring through you um and they 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 raise funds for you and it's just a concept but I, i just love it because it's like what it says to me is that we all have incredible, unique powers and mm. capabilities. And if we lean into trusting them and exploring them and having fun with them, not only every single, I mean, theoretically, every single human being will be in an optimum state of purpose and unique contribution to culture and society and the world and earth and whatnot, but they'll be, they'll be thriving yes. rather in their own unique thing. But everyone has to go on their own unique journey to discover that rather than just putting like a herd of cattle through a like mathematics, geography, all this bloody bullshit that you don't even use in real life. And, and, pissing them out into this like corporate slavery yeah that's that's i mean i'm sure i'm off in a few of those points but that's loosely oh no i think you're you're there's a whole there's a whole uh, mode of thinking that is right up your alley and you would Mm. absolutely love it (laughs) um and i i've gone all the way down that rabbit hole and into like what we're going to create our own schools and this is what we're going to do and da 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 and then I, I came again, full circle back around. I, I always feel like my body of work is a bridge. Mm. It's a bridge to, to say it's not a this or that kind of movement. Mm. Yes mm. to what you're saying. Like absolutely. Education revolution. <laughs> and how do we bridge now a, a gap between what's existing within our education? Where are all the young people we want to work with? Yeah. They're in sporting clubs. They're in mainstream education. Great. So how can we help mainstream education evolve? Yes. 
that's that's my yeah. body of work. That's yeah. where I feel called is like, yes, I've gone down that rabbit hole and I'm like, well, we need to take them from where they are over here and be free. And, and I love the entrepreneurs movement. Like mm-hmm. that for me, I do a lot of work in that space where we're raising inspired young entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. we're putting them in communities of young people together and they're, they're taking off to Silicon Valley and they're just blowing their brains open and all possibility thinking mm-hmm. like I absolutely am a fan of that Mm. and how do we then make a bridge so that more can cross over into that Mm. actually there's more options for us there has to be more options Mm. of us for us there's nearly eight billion of us on the planet there's not that many jobs we are going to need inspired ways to feed our families we're not going to be able to eat the currency that we're measuring our worth Mm. on Mm. and a lot of the information that we are teaching through our education system is there's an official term of it's called throwaway knowledge, throwaway information. Right. And it's something like when I was going through my education training, the data was 90%. Of, was all throwaway knowledge that you never used. That was the day I left education. Oh Lord. I swapped tracks from that to psychology in that day. I said, I cannot dedicate 100% of my career to a 90% throwaway, you know, and it does make sense. You drench, you just throw shit at a wall and you hope that some of it's going to stick. And what a waste of our childhood. <laughs> it makes me angry. Like these yes. kids are just like losing their precious young years. Yes. Getting shit thrown on them that won't, doesn't, won't stink. It doesn't need yes. to. And the great news. Oh, it's awful. The great news to add to your like, oh my God, that smells so shitty <laughs> is that mainstream education is evolving and I have my daughter in an incredible school where they're implementing they have entrepreneurs courses she can do a whole line of study in being an entrepreneur and she's picked that for next year for her and she's only in grade nine next year and I'm like yes to that you know and that's a mainstream school so changes are coming and Mm. and and I, I really serve that bridge it's interesting that you pick that because i I think anyone that goes through somewhat of like a a a, a realization about the state of our society in any particular way or category like has the choice to either like start create a new system from scratch like the entrepreneurial thing or or um facilitate the 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 slow change of the current system Mm. and it's interesting you feel like Horses, of course, different people can do different things. For but sure. I, uh, I definitely appreciate and value like working on the systems that are currently in place. And that must be very frustrating in a lot of ways because you'd be banging your head a whole lot of times. Against a whole lot wars. of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I think it's the same way I live my life. Like I, I feel like I've, I've lived a lot of spiritual practices, grew up as a Christian, you know, like I've, I've, I've blended all things together in my life personally and I feel like it's never been a this or that you know it's a, all things are possible in my like I, I'm all the all the um opposites exist in me mm. and so I I don't have any desire to disappear and live in a cave and uh, mm. I want to live in the world and enjoy mm. all mm. of what mm. life has to offer me and in my short life however long I get to live I want I want for the passion I have for living to be shared with the masses not the minority Mm. and so to do that i feel the place i've been asked to focus is on that bridge how can how can i bring to 
as many as possible the truths that I've mm. found, the, the, the keys to everything. Mm. Yeah, have it. <laughs> and so mm. that, that seems to be the... How do you, you know, what's, what's your daily ritual to like stay on path to like to continually feel inspired by your calling? I have immaculate rituals. I am a huge advocate for having ritual and practicing ritual. Mm. My family's Celtic actually, so mm. I have like a tribal <laughs> DNA running through mm-hmm. me. And, um, and so I begin the morning by. I get up well before my kids and I have a cup of coffee because I just love coffee, the nectar of the gods. And I, um, what's it called? The connector. The nectar of the gods. Uh, I'm like, oh. like the connector of the gods. Like, yeah, this Ooh, like yeah, conference call with all the gods. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. We just get on a coffee conference call and um, I grow all my own food. So I, oh, I love really? the, Yeah, I love oh, yeah. the connection of the land. So I barefoot, I'm out in the garden and I'm picking my breakfast. Oh, and, like you're Oh, I love it. I love it so much. And I'm just having, you know, time to be in nature. And then the kids get Wait, up. All of your own food or you have to Not anymore. Somewhere. Yeah, I yeah. moved off. I had a farm and I moved from the farm uh, nearly two years ago now. Yeah. So now I have a, a like a kitchen garden, yeah. which is good. And because yeah. my life's a little, my kids are grown up yeah. now and or I've got one child still at home. Yeah. So when the kids started moving out of home and growing up, I was like, okay, I've, it was a lot to maintain and my work's got me traveling more. So it it became more sustainable to have, you know, a smaller, but it's thrives. Like even it's a smaller patch. I had 120 square foot of veggie gardens at the farm. Now I've got like a quarter of that and I, I pretty much grow as much food in that space. It's just become more abundant. (laughs) So I do that in the morning and then I, I do the normal mum stuff. I get the kids ready for school or my daughter ready for school. And my son like out of bed, like throwing water at him a couple of (laughs) hundred times. Dude, I said, get up. You know, it's like normal life stuff. And then, um, I don't start work for an hour and a half after the kids go to school. And that's when I, um, I actually sauna. I do a dynamic breathing practice. I do a cold ice bathing plunge pool. All my kid Every day? Body, every day. Cold plunge? Every day. Holy shit. And then I do my – taking care of my body because I found the big link for me with anxiety, mental health, um, which has been an ongoing, you know – um, friend to me through my life, like a teacher, um, is that if I really love on my body, if I really take care of this mm. system here, mm. she can do me so well. Mm-hmm. Like she can really serve me, the planet, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So body first. So my vitamins and my green smoothies and my practices and my meditations and every and I mix that up a lot because mm. I I like variety. I like yeah. trying new things and yeah. Um, and then I go to work and I work with my best friend, my business partner. She's my soul sister. And so (laughs) we start every day with intention and meditation and, you know, clear the space. And we, then we work from our, we have like a a land with converted shipping containers of our offices. So we have the animals around us. Oh, what? That's so cool. So cool. It's really cool. What type of animals? We have, um, so I have a therapy horse. Is it, so this is a different location to your home? Yeah, so the therapy horse is 10 minutes down the road. Yeah. Um, um, we have uh, several equine centers that we yeah. partner with for our equine therapy and riding programs. Yeah. So he stays there, so I go and spend time with him. Uh, That's part of my little routine. And 
um, ride him twice a week and we do groundwork and play and stuff. Um, and then we have beautiful Luna, Doggies. our dog, <laughs> and yeah, um, birds and chickens and you know all so the fun. all the little things. So, um, but yeah, it's really nice to just kind of be in that grounded grounded space and then you know do the practices after Sienna comes home from school where take you know afternoon tea with her hear about her day and her struggles and her this mm. and that before she goes off and does her homework and mm-hmm. and I have a day to myself once a week I, I have done most of my parenting as a single mum so that means weekends are not they're not weekends they're they're not time off so I always take mm. a, a day off during the week and mm. go and do my hobbies and mm. But I think it's really about living your, your teachings, you know. If you even that's such a great thing, just having a four day, like essentially a four day work week. Then I'm sure you work in oh, it's it's spread out, but like it just makes so much more sense. We're so much more productive since we've swapped over to. I used to do a five day work week, mm. or I do, um, you know, swap my weekends because I teach a lot of weekend workshops, which I, mm. I have got those very well spread out now. Mm. Um, but yeah, we're on a our whole teams a four day work week mm. now. Brilliant. Mm. Man, it's it's such super awesome work. If it, if it's really like it gives me a lot of hope, and you know, having people like you actually on ground making significant actual change, mm. not just theoretical ones, mm. that with intelligent, responsive solutions. Yeah, it's really really cool. It's, it makes me want to work more in that space. <laughs> it's like yeah. kids, kids. It's like. I can't, it's hard to think of a more important area than look, looking after the, like optimizing the well-being or mental state of a, of a child's body yeah. so that they can go on to do, be great adults. Yeah. Um, well, and- I think if we're focused on this, this is a huge thing. If you look at taking an apprentice on and sharing your skills, like not everybody has to be a father, mm. but everybody has to be a parent like everybody needs every one of us needs to show up and parent this younger generation that's Mm. coming through teach them what we know Mm. and if what you know is how to paint walls teach some young man that Mm. and while you're painting walls talk about how they're feeling talk Mm. about Mm. connecting with girlfriends talk Mm. about bullying Mm. at school talk about you know just connect just be there you know it's like I, I often I see a lot of other people doing work and you've had a few of them on your podcast actually doing amazing work in resilience with young people. I'm like, why are we not all working together? Mm. Come on, let's have a coffee. Let's mm. like mm. network. Let's mm. let's just do this. Yeah, you know, yeah, just get that. out of this separation mind space and just like, what are you doing? What are you doing well? Where's your gaps? How can I jump in and help you? Mm. Like, we don't have time mm. to be all just doing our own separate mm. thing. Let's mm. just jump in and get shit done mm, mm, mm. is it is there much competition in the space or is like i think so yeah i think so i mean i'm often reaching out to other people doing this work and it's like crickets you know yeah, i'm yeah. like well, how can i help you yeah. do like i've i've spent the last 12 years developing an online program that has to be evidence-based for us to go into mainstream education and into i work with child youth mental health i work with department of child safety i have to have the evidence behind it it's taken me nearly 13 years to be able to produce a body of work can i give it to you please like i'll rebrand it so it's got your logo on it i'll do whatever you want but use it you know it's like i'm not going to get to every young person Mm, mm, on this planet mm. that's not my job Mm. 
but I can give you what I have found works. This mm. works. I've got the evidence to show you it works. Mm. You can have it. You can put your pretty name on it. You can do whatever you like and take it. Just let it work its thing. Go, do it. Yeah. Like, use it. Have, yeah. Don't reinvent the wheel and then feel like we're, you know, it's like, and, and we don't often hear that call to work together. It's like mm. I really, really, anybody that has this passion mm. that is already on a path, that's already influencing a ton of young people, please get in touch so mm. that we can give you a body of work that you can use within your framework and it can make everything better. It makes your football mm. game better. It makes your tennis game better. It mm. makes your education system better. It, it's like it's an enhancer. Mm. You know? mm. Have it. Use it. Wonderful. And where, where can people jump? What's the website that people can research more on you? The what, online uh, stuff or the... Just, um, just like get more information. Yeah. You. So um, uh, alive.org.au is the charity and getrealinstitute.com is the online programs and just email us or give us a call. We're so easy to find when you Google us. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So wonderful. Thanks for all your sharing and being so like, you got a beautiful, open, warm, grounded, radiant spirit and you're doing fucking really, really important work. So You hold that space so beautifully. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to be open with you. Yeah. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> <laughs>